You're listening to the Christian Civics Podcast, exploring how the gospel empowers us to think, speak, and act differently in the public square. I'm your host, Rick Barry, the co-founder and executive director of the Center for Christian Civics. Today, we're continuing our mini-series of mini-episodes covering some of the lesser-publicized downstream effects of the coronavirus and the COVID-19 pandemic, specifically the effects they might be having on problems in the public square that haven't been headline news over the last couple weeks. Our guest today is Marion Hutchins. Marion is the executive director of Father's Heart Ministries in New York City. I know, I know, two episodes in a row featuring nonprofits based in and serving New York City. I'm sorry, I promise this is the last one for a while, but there are a few reasons for doing another episode based in New York so soon. The first is that New York City is currently the epicenter of the coronavirus, at least in the U.S. The second, and I'll be honest, the files from the interviews that I recorded last week were just all on my computer's desktop, along with a bunch of other files. And when I was clicking through them yesterday to find the podcast recordings, these were the first ones I clicked on. Lastly, though, this episode is also a little personal for me. I've actually been looking for an excuse to feature Father's Heart in some way on our podcast for a long time. This is a ministry that really means a lot to me. I volunteered there a lot before I moved to D.C., and God used my time serving in their programs to help reshape my faith during a stretch when I was really pretty dry, spiritually speaking. We'll get into their mission at the top of the interview, but it's maybe important to know that the ministry is a nonprofit that was born out of a church that's been on New York City's Lower East Side for over a hundred years. I think it's actually been closer to 200 years than 100, but I can't be sure. Over the centuries, and I can't believe I'm actually saying that phrase, but over the centuries, the neighborhood has changed a lot, and the church has changed with it. It's changed demographics, it's changed leadership, it's changed denominations. And as the needs of their neighbors changed, this little church that operates on a shoestring budget has launched and sustained a really impressive range of programs to serve their neighbors' needs. It really is a loaves and fishes situation. There's a link to their website in our show notes where you can learn more about their GED programs and ESL programs and addiction support programs and things like that. But today, we're going to talk specifically about their programs providing food for their hungry neighbors and their programs providing safety, support, and stability to at-risk youth. Before we cut to the interview, please bear in mind, this interview was recorded close to a week ago, and governments at the federal, state, and local levels are obviously moving fast. I don't think there's anything we said that's particularly out of date, but it's just important to know this wasn't recorded this afternoon. We're going to jump right into the interview with Marion Hutchins, She's going to share a little bit about Father's Heart's mission and programs, and about how the people they serve are being affected by the COVID-19 emergency measures. Then we're going to come back, and a member of the Christian Civics Executive Board is going to lead us in prayer. It's always been a center for 
reaching out into our community in very practical ways, whether it's for immigrants or for homeless. The church for decades, even before us, has been reaching out. So it's a it's a great legacy to step into. Tell me just a little bit about the neighborhood you serve and the history of the ministry. We're 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 on the Lower East Side or Alphabet City or we're, we're, depending on what decade you lived in there. But we do serve all five boroughs or absolutely anyone that walks through our doors. We we feed them, we love them, and really, it's our mission is to demonstrate the love of God through acts of compassion. We believe in the restorative power of God to bring wholeness to every person that walks through our doors. How do you do that? What are some of the programs you all typically run at Father's Heart? First of all, our our kind of centerpiece, and the reason it's the centerpiece because it's the largest program that we have, and all the others kind of are offshoots from it. That's our soup kitchen and food pantry. So. You can imagine a a church, all the pews that we had, we had to, we wanted to give to another church so that the room could be turned into a multi-purpose room. And so on Sundays we have chairs, but on Saturdays we have tables and that turns into our dining hall. And so guests come in and we serve five to 600 guests every Saturday and all you can eat hot breakfast. And the reason I say all you can eat is because that's the message that we want to give our guests, that they are guests, that there's generosity with God, there's love. Anybody that has hosted anyone in their home, no matter what culture, you always say, just keep eating. We want you to feel so welcomed, so loved, so honored. And our volunteers dote on everyone with that same kind of honor and dignity. And so people are coming hungry for food, they're coming hungry for love, and they're coming hungry for community. And so when they come in, our volunteers are absolutely wonderful to give them that kind of love and respect. And they eat as much as they want. We have one record that no one's broken, 22 meals. Someone actually ate that many. Because, you know, sometimes there's, often there's that food insecurity where, where is this next meal going to come from? And so we're happy to make people feel that comfort. We also have a prayer team that comes and prays with people. So people feel very nurtured when they come for, to that. And, and then also the food pantry where they can get uh, at least nine meals in a pantry bag to take home with them. So uh, that is, like I said, our centerpiece. But I know we have an, a number of other programs that are on our website. But I know you wanted me to also speak about our Kids Zone program and our Alphabet Scoop program. So our Kids Zone program is a soup kitchen for children and teenagers. And parents are welcome too. Is that also on Saturdays? It's on Tuesday evenings. It's every Tuesday evening. The kids can eat for an hour and then they could go to other activities. There's arts and crafts. There's homework help. And every week we have a different theme. So we teach, for instance, once a month financial literacy. It's an interactive uh, learning. So we have a great team that puts together fantastic opportunities for the kids to engage in financial literacy. We have nutrition education once a month where they learn to make healthy snacks. We have social skills training. We celebrate their birthdays. We have career development. And then we also have once a month a support group for the moms in another room. We serve people from shelters, families from shelters. It is a place for them to come and enjoy one another. Also, out of Kids Zone, we have Alphabet Scoop, which is our teen mentoring, job training, job employment program. So teenagers from our community can be trained and employed in our ice cream store. Now, our ice cream store, we make our own ice cream. We have 16 flavors. The kids learn job skills, life skills. They also learn 
how to make ice cream. They learn how to run the register. They learn marketing. It is an amazing program for our teenagers. They come up with some of the flavors themselves, right? Yeah, they do. They 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 have an opportunity to be creative. They they could be creative with the social media. They could be creative with the flavors. The the great thing is that our community loves this because not only is it fantastic ice cream, but their money is being invested into programs that are actually helping the community and especially the kids' lives. And I do just want to vouch the flavors the kids come up with. I've been to Alphabet Scoop many times are really fantastic. The white chocolate raspberry swirl is one That's of razzle dazzle. Yeah, that's probably the most popular. <laughs> how is your neighborhood? How have the people you serve, particularly through the Saturday soup kitchens and the Tuesday youth programming being affected by the COVID-19 outbreak? There's the, immediately, there's the lack of food and lack of money for food. And, you know, I was thinking that our guests live so thinly marginalized to begin with. They, on a normal day, live a fragile life. Their future is unknown. There's anxiety, there's pain, there's fear in a normal day. So this can be very debilitating. We are not only our current guests, but we're getting lots and lots of new people who are saying, I just don't have the money for food. I don't have the means to go get it. Stores are, are, are emptying out. People are, are coming and finding the food with us. And thankfully, the city has deemed us an essential business. So we're able to stay open. But, you know, we have to keep the social distancing and we have strict protocols with masks and gloves and hand sanitizer. So we're doing that. It's required us to stay open much, much longer to accommodate the, the, the crowds, you know, keep their social distancing. And your Saturdays are very tightly packed. You, you usually put out enough tables to seat 125 people at a time. And there's not a lot of room to walk in between those tables. How many people are you able to seat now? I imagine you're probably cutting it down yeah, well, actually, we have not been allowed to actually have the, the dining hall open. So what we do instead is we have a breakfast to-go bag, a grab-and-go bag. Believe me, they miss that community of sitting down, but this is what we can do for now. They come in and we give them a breakfast grab-and-go bag, and then they get a pantry bag. There's some connection, but obviously not as much. Do you notice a change in the emotional state? Of the people who are coming? Yeah, I think I think there are a couple of things. Uh, one, that they're they're disappointed, obviously, that there's not the hot coffee and the the warm embraces of people. Um, that's important. There's not that time to chat over uh, a meal with them like we do. It's in and out because of the of the restraints that we have. The other thing we've noticed is that they're extremely grateful that we have not shut down. They're extremely grateful that there are volunteers that are courageous enough to come out, put on the protocols and serve anyway. So we've heard over and over again, thank you for being here, that that continuity, that stability is also very important for them to see that we're not going anywhere. We're going to be there for them. That sends a message for them of, of reassurance. And what about your Tuesday programming and your other programming for youth and families? that all has had to be closed temporarily. And here's the other thing, you know, for our volunteers and our own staff, we can have Zoom calls and emails and whatnot. A, lar a large part of our, our guests 
are un we're unable to really reach out to them. They do not have phones. They do not have emails. There's a language barrier for 50%. And uh, I've spoken with a bunch of other people from other nonprofits. And that's really one of our major concerns is the disconnect because of a lack of technology and things. So what are some strategies you and other nonprofits are using to reconnect with those people? We have put flyers out with all of our phone numbers, all of our social media tags. We keep putting voicemails up. We keep posting our hours and that we're around. You know, we do every signage that we can. So they know how to contact us if they can, but it's us contacting them. That's been a little difficult, but they know we're there. So they're coming. So that's the other good thing. And the word of mouth is very powerful in the city. And what about for people who are listening to this uh -huh. and want to know what they can be doing for their homeless neighbors, their young neighbors, their marginalized neighbors who might be feeling the lack of services like Father's Heart? Is there anything individuals or groups of friends or families can be doing to fill in that gap in some way for people yeah. while you're under pandemic measures? Praying praying for the organizations and giving to organizations that are, are in your community and then serve. You know, we have we have our one of our volunteers who has small children. She's not able to come and serve with us, but she is our volunteer coordinator as a volunteer. And so we could uh, I have people calling all the time and saying, what could we do to help? It's important that if you reach out to an organization and you have an idea how you can help, use your giftings. You know, maybe they'll tell you what they need, or it might be good to say, look, at, I could, I, if you have any, any IT problems, I could help you with that, or I could help you make phone calls or things like that. But then on a very small scale or on a, on a, on a level, just like you said, personally, I think there's, we could start with our families and our friends and the people right in our community. It's very easy to bring someone food. It's very easy to reach out to anyone. And, you know, things, we don't always have a big blueprint for what we're going to do. It's usually just one step at a time. Any small act, I would say just do something do something because we're going to show the world his light by our deeds. We just have to look around us. There's many things that we could do, bringing granola bars or cups of coffee, whatever we can out there to give to whoever we can. Decades ago, when we first started realizing we wanted to do something with our community with food, we just volunteered. Our church, a couple of church members, about six, volunteered with a secular organization. And we just basically joined them to bring hot meals to people who were homebound with AIDS. Whatever small beginnings, they're important to do something. And what are your prayers like right yeah. now? Well, we constantly pray for God's discernment and wisdom because everything is changing quickly. And we are getting, of course, the strategy for the daily things that happen. Disaster relief is vital, but recovery is coming. And that's when we're going to also need wisdom and discernment on how to be creative, how to start understanding the new issues that are out there. This is kind of a, a rebirth in a sense of things, I believe, because it's going to be something we've never seen or experienced before. And we just have to be open to the new things that we may be having to do. The needs that our neighborhoods, that our cities, that our states, that our country will have on the other side of this pandemic are probably going to be very different from the needs we knew before. But during this transition time, we've talked about specifically food insecurity, but have you heard at all from parents, kids, teens about what their social needs are during this time? Yeah. And that that is 
a, a big thing that we are praying for our kids and our teenagers all the time because the parents are on edge to begin with. And so to have this compounding it and the kids can't go out and they don't have the devices in their homes to connect with each other, connect with the world. And we've just been praying for them. For some of them, school was the safe place. And so they really need our prayers. They really need our prayers, the children and the homeless, not for the obvious, only the obvious reasons of where are they going to shelter, but they also have a lot of chronic illnesses to begin with. So we've been praying for our homeless neighbors too. All right, that was my conversation with Marion Hutchins, Executive Director of Father's Heart Ministries in New York City. In these mini-episodes, I'm not really going to offer much in the way of commentary or further reflection. Instead, we're going to jump right into prayer. And our prayer today is being led by Stacy Scholl, a member of the Christian Civics Leadership Team who I'm thrilled is with us. So please, let's all join Stacy in prayer. Almighty God, we hurt to see our neighbors suffer from a lack of food, especially vulnerable women, children, and the homeless. We see and internalize the praise you offer in Matthew 25, 35, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. We ask that you sustain ministries like Father's Heart Ministry in New York City as they feed people daily and offer them comfort. Pour out your grace on hungry families, especially desperate parents, sick with anxiety about feeding their children, or for those children who found school to be a safe place, one that met their most basic needs. Open our eyes to those who are at the greatest risk of going unseen, and as Psalm 107.9 reminds us, you fill the hungry with good things. Merciful provider, as you rain down manna on the Israelites, we pray for unexpected assistance to those struggling for food security in our own cities and around the world. Create conditions for not just survival, but thriving. We know you offer both restoration and generosity. Holy Spirit, help us find words on behalf of those who live fragile lives. Give us a perspective that all gifts and blessings come from you. Soften their worry and pain on normal days, and offer the balm of your everlasting promises during extraordinary times. We ask for your protection of their bodies as a virus wrecks your creation. You did not design this world for chaos and suffering. For ministries facing immense needs, surround them with additional voices to pray donors to give, and eager volunteers to serve. In Isaiah 58.10, the promise stands, If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. This is a time when lives will truly be saved or lost. Give those fighting hunger discernment and wisdom. They know the current need is severe, but the recovery will come in unrelenting waves. Anchor them in your final triumph over hunger and death. Guide their steps as they act out your mercy. We ask these things because the hungry and hurt are part of your kingdom. May the church advance this mission boldly because the gospel unites and satisfies souls. Let all saints look forward to the meals we will have together in heaven, but also meet the needs of our neighbors in the present. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Stacy. A transcript of that prayer is available on our website. Please feel free to use it in your own devotional life or use it as a tool to lead others in prayer during this pandemic. I hope that these mini episodes covering specific topics are helpful to you, encouraging to you. If there's an issue or a topic that you particularly want us to cover, 
please let us know on Facebook or by sending us an email at info at christiancivics.org. Visit our website, christiancivics.org, to learn more about Father's Heart and for action items, reflection questions, and prayer prompts off of every podcast episode. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for praying along with us. And we'll be back with the next Minnesota in this mini-series at the end of the week. Mm-hmm.